Hi, you're listening to Spotlight Aisha, a podcast that shines a light on ideas that matter. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Spotlight Asia Session 2. I'm your host, Thomas Sever from Vienna, member of Asia's Legal Tech Board as well as the Executive Committee Board. Today we will be discussing projects planned in the public administration, the courtroom of the future, how the public sector and lawyers can improve proceedings. But before we start the session, I would like to introduce our incredible speaker of the day, Matthias Lichtenthaler, Head of Digital uh, Government and Innovation in the Austrian Federal Computing Center. Matthias is the go-to person when it comes to legal tech in the public sector in Vienna. Matthias has real knowledge of real blockchain use cases and is very open to new ideas and new solutions. Thank you for joining us, Matthias. Hey, Tom, it's good to talk to you. Looking forward to this conversation. Matthias, uh, we live in uh, challenging uh, times and know uh, that new ideas are necessary. Can you tell us which current digitalization projects are planned or already concluded in the public administration? There are certainly a variety of projects we're working on, but I can come up with some key topics which are which are kind of acting like a framework for, for digital projects at this point. So this is execution, so to say, of AI. Uh, artificial intelligence is a topic um, we've been talking about a lot, but I mean, we really need to execute that for the benefit of the citizens and, and the corporations in Austria and even beyond. So AI is an important aspect. Um, digital communication and collaboration is another important aspect. So it is a key topic, not only during a pandemic, like we do have at this point still, but it's it's going to be the future communication between citizens and the government, but also between corporations and the governments of, of um, records and stuff, but also a variety of other projects to really execute AI and utilize that. Um, for example, I've been at a conference today, international conference for speech technologies, how to utilize automated or semi-automated translation, specifically relevant for legal tech with some bias issues and and the downside of, of uh, liability um, in regards to that uh, semi or automated translation. But that's definitely a topic um, specifically relevant for legal tech. Thank you, uh, Matthias. We can certainly agree and know uh, that uh, even our uh, job as a lawyer will change. Uh, in Austria, for example, uh, the civil uh, procedure has been uh, digitalized. How uh, do attorneys uh, play uh, a role uh, in this and uh, can profit uh, from this? Or more generally, uh, can uh, you uh, explain how uh, consultants avoid uh, to be replaced by uh, machines? I think um, attorneys can benefit from a variety of different digital um, activities. Definitely the, the human interaction, the interaction with the human being, in this case an attorney or a notary public, is going to be still an important factor. So even if it might be an official video conferencing, a secure video conferencing with a transactional tool, specifically uh, if you were including this or if you were connecting this to the EID, the IDAS, the ID, the digital ID format so that both parties, the, the client and the attorney, would both know who they are and, and if both are authenticated, I think then 
this is an opportunity uh, instead of having a physical meeting at the at the law firm, so to say, at the attorney's office, you can turn a lot of even quite official activities, even transactional activities between the client and the attorney into the digital world. And uh, if you were connecting even this to the legal system, then um, attorneys are not our key clients here from the public sector um, aspect, but um, but attorneys are um, definitely part of the legal system and they're an important part of the legal system. And that's why the, the visualization of the legal system, the legal field, um, the court, the digital courtroom, so to say, certainly uh, includes the attorney. So, um, for example, an attorney can attend a, um, a uh, courtroom meeting, so to say, in Bregenz, which is far west Austria. It would it would take like five six hours to travel to to get there or flying out there? But uh, if there was a digital courtroom uh, set up, uh, then the attorney can participate, even if it was just a twenty minute uh, conversation, uh, and it would would be not necessarily economical to get there physically. So there are a variety of, of the options, but also access to records is another important aspect. We don't have to copy physical records for an attorney. To make sure that they have access to the most important stuff, and then uh, the the record will probably change due to some additional paperwork tomorrow, and then you have to um, have to attach an additional an additional copy to the existing record. So there are a variety of opportunities also to use a fully uh, digital record, and it's only one record, no copies. It's like this once only principle in the legal world. We have one legal record. Not everyone, but um, the eligible people, the eligible um, participants will have access to this one record and this one single source of truth. And uh, that will definitely support the, the attorney's work and will not eliminate the human factor. That sounds uh, interesting. Uh, especially uh, because uh, you see uh, some uh, space and uh, some uh, use cases uh, for lawyers uh, too. Uh, so uh, let's uh, pass uh, to uh, AI. And uh, my question uh, would be, uh, how do you see uh, the insert of AI uh, by the public uh, authorities and especially um, between uh, the authority uh, and uh, lawyers? So uh, to connect authority, uh, lawyers, uh, and uh, machines uh, together. Well, uh, AI can be a supporting role in a variety of different areas. Um, and I, we would also, my, my typical hashtag here is AI is the butler and it's not the chief. So I think that's quite important to point out. So AI can support, for example, it can support semi-automated processes for within the courtroom, for the, for the judge, for, for the attorney, and can support the, these activities even in interactions. It can support, for example, automated translation, which are just a support a tool, which are not uh, a matter of uh, a fully legally binding translation. Uh, but as a matter of liability, we cannot fully rely on, on automated translation, but it can be a support function so that we're going to make sure that even people with other languages can can understand each other within the courtroom or or uh, in interaction with the attorney so i think ai can have uh, can also do some some research can for example identify 
contradictions or topics to prove, so to say, within a extensive record. I, um, and for example, if there's a new new file um, attached to an exi existing record, and this might be an extensive one with like f 500 uh, pages, and um, then you would need to verify the 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 link between the new information and the existing record. And AI can certainly support that. It's a mixture of machine learning and artificial intelligence to identify the appropriate page, the appropriate location of a potential interaction, maybe even contradiction with the existing record, and can put that in front of the attorney, let's say, or the, even, the, even the judge, to point out, okay, here within these 500 pages, I found like two specific sections where there's a connection to this new information. Okay, <clears throat> thanks. Uh, so uh, I understand that uh, lawyers uh, will not disappear uh, soon, uh, <laughs> but on uh, different uh, conferences, uh, we um, hear something about uh, so-called called, uh, robo uh, judges. Uh, do you see do you see uh, them in the near uh, future, or uh, is it uh, even there uh, most probably uh, the case that uh, robots and uh, computers can help the judge, but uh, can not solve uh, cases alone. Well, I think they're not going to solve. Um, you know, typically they wouldn't solve cases uh, at all. You can. There, there are some different categorizations of, of types of of lawsuits, let's say, or, or or cases where you would say if it's a relatively simple rule based process corporations outside of the legal system, they would utilize robots to really do like the copy paste jobs. So it will typically uh, include a human interaction. So the robo judge is, uh, as you would know, this, this little, this, this little tool saying, hello, I'm the robot and I will be the judge in this courtroom. Um, no, this is not going to happen and there's no need to, but a, a virtual robot acting, um, in the background, searching through a lot of documentation, finding contradictions, um, doing copy-paste jobs, a lot of administrative st uh, stuff, uh, verifying information and so forth. That's something uh, artificial intelligence can do. And uh, if you combine that with process automation, you might want to call it a robot, but it's not the one you would see in the industry uh, acting as a robot, but it's rather a little Okay, <clears throat> thank you very much. So I uh, think uh, we can um, shift to a project uh, we worked uh, on uh, together. So uh, the digital uh, real estate transaction in uh, Austria. Uh, so uh, you have been uh, a great uh, help uh, in realizing uh, this here in Austria. Um, could you please uh, explain uh, quickly how the digital uh, stamp based uh, on blockchain technology uh, works and uh, helps in uh, transactions uh, like uh, the one we uh, worked on together. Yeah, um, the, the project you were approaching us like two years ago and you're, you already uh, handle a full-scale uh, full interaction or a transaction of a, um, of a building in, in Austria, which is excellent work. Um, this project was was interested is interesting because there are a lot of variety of interactions with a with a um, state. There's this uh, land register. Uh, there's this this tax aspect, um, and to secure those transactional uh, activities, um, for example, 
you can, you don't have to, but you can utilize um, the the block stamp, as we call it. It's a blockchain-based timestamp solution. Uh, you can utilize that um, to verify a uninterrupted um, transaction, but it's rather an event. So whatever is going to be uh, stored in the blockchain, in this case, is a primarily a time, a particular precise timestamp. It's not storing any kind of personalized data. So no names, no, no other c connections to human beings, so to say. Uh, but it makes sure that, that a interaction between two parties um, is, is fully secured. For example, we use this um, for a um, project called Citizen, a Digital Citizen Cockpit. Um, in this case, a, an information, for example, your net income, which you would use for another, um, for another um, governmental agency, your net income will be transferred from the Ministry of Finance, so to say, the, the, the tax record um, administration to your digital cockpit. And this transaction uh, needs to be secured and we need to have a tamper-proof information that, that this was uninterrupted, that there was no way to interfere between the the tax administration and your your record or your wallet or your cockpit. And this this timestamp can make sure at this particular day, at this particular time and second, this information was being transferred to your cockpit and uh, there was no interruption. So thank you very much uh, for this. I think uh, we can uh, summarize that uh, the systems uh, we are working with, especially uh, when it comes uh, to the land register here in, in Austria and uh, the digital uh, transaction uh, are uh, secure uh, and uh, safe. Yes. Uh, a further uh, aspect uh, when it comes uh, to this system uh, is uh, data protection. And uh, of course, uh, especially when it comes uh, to the a very open uh, Austrian land register. Uh, somebody uh, is uh, arguing uh, that um, there are too many uh, data uh, shared. Uh, I personally think uh, that especially the real estate uh, market uh, works uh, much better uh, if uh, information uh, is available uh, for uh, everybody. The same, uh, I would uh, say, um, is true when it comes uh, to uh, construction uh, proceedings, so uh, we all know that uh, transparency. Uh, <laughs> yeah, transparency uh, is is a big uh, aspect. So, uh, what's your idea regarding this, and what is uh, your experience uh, if uh, you are uh, selling this uh, pro product, and if you are telling people, okay, we come, we become more uh, transparent. Uh, <laughs> what are uh, people uh, telling you, and how happy are they? <laughs> Well, I mean, I just recently, my mother's an architect, so I, I know this business a little, um, and she's still active. And uh, I just talked to a CEO of, of course, construction corporation in Styria recently, and he was arguing that uh, transparency, in the way I would think transparency is necessary, is something which is not needed at all in the construction industry. Now, you know what I mean? Um, there are, uh, and he was arguing that transparency would kind of hinder the handshake quality 
of construction business uh, execution. So, um, yeah, it, it sounds funny eventually, but I mean, still, um, it's a, it's an aspect. On the other hand, you can you can argue that uh, the construction uh, business and a construction project has very few personalized data. So, like, I mean, names and and uh, birth dates and so forth. It has specific information in regards to the to the site and if it's a for example a public building if it's a new school or a new town hall whatever it is or a uh, street construction whatever it is why shouldn't be there a full-scale 200 percent level of transparency for the citizen um, and there's no reason uh, to avoid that because of personalized data there's very little included you can you can these few names which are in there can be anonymized, and that's not the point. Uh, transparency is important, and I think in this case it's it's a it's an important aspect. There are certainly other areas in in, in legal cases and in other areas in, in GovTech where there are a lot more personalized data in, included, and we are working intensively on on um, anonymization and uh, um, a synth synthetic approach to data. Um, this is uh, still not fully convincing in, in, in each and every aspect. But if you look at this, if you had some synthetic data or a fully anonymized data, according to the data privacy and uh, GDPR, then uh, this is again an aspect where you can be m much more transparent if there's no way to to uh, figure out where this data was from which person this data was coming from thanks uh, for this i uh, completely agree uh, especially when it comes uh, to the real estate sector i think uh, sharing uh, information uh, is key because uh, the real estate uh, sector uh, of course uh, is important uh, for everybody and uh, if uh, we are um, again uh, changing uh, a little bit uh, the argument uh, I think uh, we see uh, the Austrian uh, digital uh, land register and uh, I know you lived uh, in Germany. I personally uh, grew up in, in Italy and uh, I think uh, the digital uh, land register here in, in Austria uh, is uh, a very well uh, functioning system. So do you think uh, something uh, like this could be uh, exported or uh, do you think uh, a best uh, practice uh, could uh, yeah been uh, shifted to uh, other countries. Uh, what's what's your idea uh, regarding this? Well, the, the the Austrian land industry has a long history and and uh, is functioning quite well. And there's digital access to it, so I think at this point we're we're in good shape. Uh, in other countries where there was where, for example, in in in, in Singapore or in Dubai or in, in Estonia, there was no land register existing in, in that sense as we would envision a land register land register should be. Uh, then this is going to be a different starting point. So I think um, in a in a developed country uh, where there's no greenfield, so to say, where there's an existing good old old-fashioned land register that other countries can learn from from Austria because um, even even Germany is relatively far away from a fully digital transaction of a real estate like you've done it in Austria you've executed this 
And um, if I'm going to report this, if I'm talking to people in Germany, they would say, really? I mean, is that, I mean, was this fully legally binding? Was this a real building or was this just, just a simulation? I said, no, 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 this was no simulation. Yeah. And that, that's, um, that's where even Germany can learn or at the different states within Germany can learn from because um, that's a way to do it. And uh, that will, will be the future based on a, as we call it, brownfield approach, because there was something existing before. Yeah? Um, if it's a greenfield approach, no land registry, land registry before, that's a different ballgame. But Germany is also a brownfield in terms of there was a, there is a good old land register, fully paper-based in a lot of, uh, lot of communities. And they can certainly learn from, from the Austrian approach uh, in terms of transparency and digital approach. Okay, thank you. Um, I uh, think um, that in the last uh, in the last months, uh, I had uh, lots of discussions uh, with lawyers, uh, with notary publics, and uh, I'm happy uh, that uh, the opinion uh, did uh, change quite a lot because um, some months ago. Uh, Especially uh, lawyers uh, were uh, very uh, critical when it uh, came to digitalization. And I think uh, there was a change uh, to the uh, right direction. Uh, what, is, uh, what is your opinion uh, regarding this? Do you see uh, a change uh, in the mindset too? Uh, which mindset are you exactly talking about? Um... Well, I, I personally uh, am quite uh, convinced uh, that uh, especially lawyers uh, quite a lot were against uh, digitalization. Uh, they tried. Uh, they tried uh, to, uh, yeah, not not have uh, digital transactions. Uh, of course, even uh, because uh, they think uh, it's uh, uh, their job is in in danger. Yeah. And uh, ultimately, uh, I uh, saw that, um, yeah, uh, there was quite quite a change. Uh, and I know that uh, even you uh, are talking yeah. uh, with different uh, persons. And so it would be interesting uh, how you uh, do. Uh, yeah, see this this change, or if you do uh, see a change. Well, yeah, I mean to to summarize that um, in a nutshell. I mean, uh, I think the people, not only to, uh, as as an aspect of the pandemic, but in general, the people or the attorneys in in using digital digital tools, they have to change their mindset, anyways. Some already did, and some some of them have to. And uh, but I think it's an educational aspect. If they do understand that their uh, consulting legal consulting approach probably has to be modified, but it's going to still last for the next uh, decades. That the human interaction, the the, the consulting itself, the know-how you would have to have is still required. Just the way they would do uh, that type of consulting, that a, a appropriate kind of support between the or for the client from an attorney is possible even in a video conference, specifically if, if both parties are authenticated and you can also transactionally execute something. Um, that's something you have to deal with. You have to get some education on, so to say. But if you do so, then if you feel like, oh, it's still me that it's needed, even though the client might not necessarily show up at my office and I might have to argue whether I would still need such a big office Yes, that might be a discussion, but if the general, but the consulting and the know-how itself is still required, if they do understand that, then this is this is quite quite important. 
But even the Chamber of Attorneys, yeah, also in Austria, they have people, uh, guys, they still do not fully understand that dramatic change. So, and if they do not understand, how should the individual local attorneys somewhere out there in Austria uh, understand that if if he or she is not a, an IT latest and greatest digital native kind of kind of person interested in this anyway, um, then uh, you would need someone to educate them. And if this is not the chamber, who is going to do that then? Question mark. I don't know. Yeah, thank you uh, very much, Matthias. I tried to uh, summarize our conversation briefly. So uh, lawyers uh, must be part of the new uh, digital world uh, to survive, I think. Public administration will uh, offer further digital tools to improve proceedings. Lawyer will still play a important role, especially in proceedings and litigation cases. And then I think uh, blockchain and AI can be the next hot topics, uh, yeah, able to uh, change uh, our work. Matthias, uh, please uh, share uh, resources uh, that uh, you would recommend uh, to our uh, listeners uh, to stay up to date with the digital uh, world. Yeah, I will do. <laughs> and I will share this uh, podcast if, if, if there's any anyone interested in, I will certainly do that within the legal world. But I think it could also, there's an important link between legal tech and gov tech, which is my world primarily. Um, and this is a, a interface which is getting more important. So in the, even in the gov tech world, this is, um, this is of interest. Excellent. Yeah, thanks again. Uh, I have uh, the pleasure, uh, of course, to invite everyone uh, to listen our podcasts. And uh, I hope uh, today's podcast uh, enables uh, you to understand the legal uh, tech a bit, a bit better. And uh, we hope uh, to see you next time with more insightful episodes uh, for Spotlight Asia. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs> All episodes will be available on various podcast streaming platforms on the Asia website. Interviews with experts on innovation, legal tech, business, creativity and other important topics for the legal profession. But also uh, highlights from Asia events. Tune in every month for something new. You have listened to Spotlight Aisha, a podcast produced by Aisha for young lawyers across the globe. Don't miss the next episode.